1: Roger Goodell says the NFL was wrong for not listening to Colin Kaepernick. He said it without using his name. Should Kaepernick, who hasn't played since 2016, get a job as a quarterback in the NFL now? We'll talk all about Goodell's statement. And USF quarterback KJ Sales organized a unity walk for many of his teammates. And most of the Bulls athletic department marched with him. Some terrible news about former Jefferson High and Gator star Risha Caldwell, who was murdered during what appeared to be a targeted robbery attempt in tampa on saturday night hey indy car was back and golf will be back this week not the sports we're clamoring for but we've got all of that and more on this edition of sports day tampa bay i'm Rick Stroud of the tampa bay times along with producer steve versnick steve i did not have a chance to watch the indy car i guess i could have made a schedule for it um But we do need some live – I'll say this. I'm getting a little tired of the replays at this point. We need some new games. We need some things. And they are coming back. I mean, it might be several more weeks, um, but certainly there's talk about the NBA and the NHL we know about. Baseball is still kind of nowhere where the owners are going to try to decide whether to even have the games or not. Um, I was watching, I guess, on Sunday – they had the 2012, I want to say it was the Memorial Tournament, Jack Nicklaus's mm-hmm. tournament, and Tiger Woods won that one. And, and, it was, and my wife reminded me, because she has a memory. like I mean, she doesn't forget anything. And I'm Irish, which is saying something, because we don't forget anything. But she remembered that in 2012, this was like the last tournament he won before. Remember, he had that accident with his wife uh, running after him with mm-hmm. <laughs> a golf club or something <laughs> like that when he hit the hydrant. And then his whole world fell apart. Like, that was the last tournament he won, um, and it was in dramatic fortune. He, he shot like a 60, I want to say a 65 or 66 the last round of the tournament and uh, had this incredible chip, and, um, and then, then it was all downhill after that for some time. And, of course, now um, he's been you know, back from injury and, and, and now the defending Masters champion. We'll see if he'll get to play again. But we need, we need some live stuff, man.
0: Yeah, I mean the the IndyCar race Saturday night I saw had the highest ratings in IndyCar in years. I mean outside sure of maybe the Indy 500, but it was also the first primetime race they've had in like 7 years on the series and but you know with right. nothing going on, of course, it, you know the, the ratings were a lot higher. NASCAR has seen some good ratings with with the live stuff, but um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to watch these old games too. I mean i I've, I enjoyed when Fox Sports Sun was showing like the first Rays game at the Trop. I caught part of that. Yeah, that was
1: cool. Um mm-hmm. the
0: 04 Stanley Cup Run. I caught several parts of those games, um, but just watching, you know, flip on ESPN and it's a Monday night game from ten years ago or something. I'm, I struggle with that. Um, yeah, my, it's difficult. My kids love that still, but they're six and four, and so they don't know any. But they didn't see the games. They don't know the outcomes. They're, you know, they're mm-hmm. they're content watching that. But um, yeah, it, it's 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 it, and we're we're still a ways away. I mean, we're, yeah, a little bit. We're, I mean, the NBA's talking what July thirty first.
1: Yeah, they're at the end of July. We don't know about baseball just yet. Um, uh, hockey is We're is hoping July, hockey's right? around
0: the same time as the NBA, but there's right. no definitive timeline day- yet.
1: To be honest, before there's games, we may have the Bucks back in training camp. I mean, July, uh, July 15th.
0: Was it tw- 15th for the rookies? I 15th think 21st for the quarterbacks for
1: camp and the yep. rookies, and, and the 21st of July um, is the start of training camp, they think, at this point, without fans. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe without journalists as well. But at least there'll be something, uh, they'll be together and they'll be able to talk about it. So we're yeah, we're still a little ways away. And then I saw, you know, who knows what what baseball is going to do. Um, but I did see where if they do play the games, that they're not going to have um, uh, their radio or their TV team, a uh, broadcast team, actually travel with the club. They're going to be they're going to remain here. Mm-hmm. I guess, and they're going to do it from Tropicana, I would imagine, or someplace. They would either do it or that, in, or in from Dave and,
0: or from WDAE. They do it either way, Tropicana Field, or okay. WDAE.
1: And so they'll they'll uh, use a big screen, right? Mm-hmm. You're familiar with doing um, this. This happened uh, for a spell, I think, uh, with the NHL one. So, time, right? uh, with the
0: Lightning? yeah, Dave Mish. Well, the M- NHL is going to do that the same when they restart. Um, all the announcing right. will be done from. The, there'll be one television feed that goes out to all the different networks that carry them, and the announcers will be back in their studios or wherever they're going to be. Um, Radio's going to be the same way in the NHL. Um, I'm assuming Mm -hmm. the NBA will be a similar setup, but I don't know that for sure.
1: Probably, yeah. Um,
0: But, yeah, so Dave Michigan a couple years ago, and some people know this, the Times has written about it previously, and and, and he's been public with it, but his wife, Dulce, came down with cancer. Mm -hmm. And so she was undergoing treatment in that. And so he wanted to keep working, but he didn't want to travel and be away, uh, you know, for a week at a time, 10 days at a time as you go on road trips. So uh for the part of that the season i i want to say it was 16
1: sounds about right i think, I think it was 16 i know i was season. on radio at that time yeah uh,
0: near the end of the season and then into the playoffs dave did not travel uh he and phil called the game from the wfla studios radio studios um off a of tv and you you get uh you get sound and stuff from the the arena but uh, mm-hmm. he was calling it off a of tv here so that way he could still work you know, go do the games for the three, four hours and then, you know, would be Take with his, his wife, wife. And, and his kid, helping his kids, too. So, yeah, um, the technology now is it's, you know, with HD TV and stuff, it's a little easier to do that. Although, you know, if you talk to Dave, it's 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 still an adjustment to do it off the TV because you don't see everything. Right. You know, in hockey, particularly in baseball is the same way. You're up high enough and you can see everything on the field. That's right. So, you know, when you're calling a hockey game, you'll you, you know, you'll hear Phil. Esposito, oftentimes, all of a sudden, you just yell, heads up. You know, and as a listener, you don't know, but he's seeing, you <laughs> look can look out. You can see a guy coming who's going to nail a big hit here. You can see it coming from a mile <laughs> yeah. away when you're that high up.
1: Yeah, um, that's true.
0: You know, Phil just blurts it out. But, you know, Andy and Dave, it'll be an adjustment for them, too. Of, you know, so a, a fly goes up in the air. You know, a hit. Yeah. How so, do you judge it? Well, the announcers, yeah? the first thing you do is you look at the fielder. Is you know, it hits a right field? Is the fielder running in? Is he running back? Is he sprinting? Sure. Is he jogging? They're not going to see that on TV
1: initially. If they don't see that, they won't have a very good understanding of how well the ball is yes. struck or, or what the reaction to the outfielder was at the mm-hmm. time.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be a little. And, and you know, Dave, you know, you can kind of see where passes are developing, or you know, what players yeah. are into the net, and this, and, and you don't get that off TV. They're usually focused on who's carrying the puck or whatever else. So it is an adjustment for the announcers, um, yeah. you know, and it's going to be an adjustment for everybody. But it's you know what's required in in this time as they're trying to limit. How many people have contact and are traveling and exposure and all this stuff so
1: I don't care uh I just want to be, I just want to <laughs> do games listen when when uh, when Michigan did it by the way um that was one of the you know the it was the studio across from FLA it's one of the mm-hmm. smaller mm-hmm. Uh, studios and him and him and Phil both yes were crammed in there uh, and were doing it and at, at the time they later revealed that that was the case but at the time they did not mm-hmm um, and you, and literally, unless you knew, you didn't know, I mean, that's how good they were, uh, working together uh, off, off really what amounted to, a, I don't know, a 55 inch television screen, yep. you know, um, as their, uh, as their view of the game. And, uh, it was, it was so well done. I think hockey is, is one of the hardest things to announce anyway. Um, but you wonder like, uh, you, you know, what the, how these guys, I mean, it's not like you forget how to do it, right? But but their voices have been saved. There's that. <laughs> what what have they announced? I I thought I saw where like some people were sending in like youth highlights for them to do. Oh yeah, a lot of
0: announcers have been calling. You know, yeah, either you know Andy and Dave. I saw did some. You know, early in the shutdown where um, actually they they called uh, one of my son's games. There was a highlight from it was the opposite team and a guy we know on the other team. But oh, that's um, great. Andy had called a play where he got a hit and. Um, they That's were doing great. that. I've seen announcers calling, you know, just doing random things like people, you know, the dog walking down the street and relieving itself and doing play by play of that. And, <laughs> you know, announcers are just, you know, trying to find ways to fill the time.
1: <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, I think the weirdest one is that Joe Buck was like offered a million dollars to, to call some kind of pornographic film or something. I don't know. It was weird. Um, believe it or not though, that, that, that was an actual offer. So, Okay, so when we're talking about announcers now, I've talked to you about your experience with, of course, doing the the Reds, the Cincinnati Reds, for years and years as you were producing those games. I've got two. I've got two announcer stories that involve iconic announcers. and And the first one is probably my favorite of all time as far as the announcer goes. The Dodgers, I don't know why. Of course, they trained in Vero Beach at the time, but the Dodgers came to Dunedin, and it was one year when I was in a bureau, and I was my, my assignment in the spring was to sort of like be a Blue Jays beat writer, right, for the Times, because we had all these like, we had regional sections, we had so much space, and so you would cover, you know, the Blue Jays as if they were your team, as if as if some guy from Toronto, you know, was was covering them, and so you went there every day, and it was cool, it was like being a, a baseball beat writer, but at that time. Grant what was then called Grant Field I don't know what they call it now but Grant Field was was the Blue Jays home and it was a it was a, a stadium in need of desperate um refurbishment and and basically they they essentially tore it down and rebuilt a much better stadium in the same spot um but at that time there was literally um like a like a wooden broadcaster's booth sort of at the top of the of the stand what I would call stands because they weren't They weren't seats. You didn't sit in seats. They were just like benches, right? So I went up there and didn't even realize that I was like about two rows beneath what was like the visiting broadcaster's booth, which, again, was, you know, just four pieces of plywood. And all of a sudden, I'm watching this game, and I just start hearing uh, Vin Scully and I mean to tell you, I didn't move for nine innings because I didn't have to turn my head. <laughs> I knew he was behind me, <laughs> and it was just Ben Ben Scully being, you know, what a gorgeous day here at Dunedin and Blue Jays and the Rogers and beautiful Dodgers. You know, and and it was great. It was like it was like turning on a radio, but you had like the the most clear sound because I could hear every word two rows down from him, and it was the coolest thing. The other. Um, the other iconic announcer that I remember, and again, it was it was just by the recognition of their voice. The weirdest thing is when you're like in a lunchroom. I remember Jack Buck, um, the old you know, uh, the old announcer for the Cardinals. One time mm-hmm. um, in uh, in Arlington Field one day, and he came in to the lunchroom. He was like, as ah, it going, what, what we got here today for lunch? You know, he's like, wow, that's Jack Buck. So the same thing happened one year. I was covering the NFL. Uh, and doing some college football, and I spent like 10 days in Ohio. It was weird. It was one of these deals where, I think I've talked about this before, um, there was, at that time, the first first year wild card baseball playoffs, it was like the Indians were playing somebody um, in Cleveland. The Reds were playing like the Dodgers in Cincinnati in a, in a, in a wild card series. And then, and then on Saturday, there was Ohio State, Notre Dame, and they hadn't played in 100 years. It was a really good Ohio State team with like with like Eddie George, you know, and, and that team. Um and then there was uh uh and then there was a Dolphins game in Cincinnati, it was Don Shula playing against Dave, who was then the Bengals coach, I think, for probably about two years, right? I think. Mm-hmm. And and so that was that was my week. So I was there for like ten days. And I go to this uh I go to this Ohio State game and I still like when I hear these guys it still gives me goosebumps, but you just hear the voice, and it was a big, big college football game. And all of a sudden, it's like, "Hello, what do we got for uh, Rudge today?" Hello, everybody! It like Keith Jackson, like, "Oh my god, <laughs> it's Keith Jackson!" He's a big guy; like he's a he he was a, uh, a, 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 a you know kind of a mountain of a man. He was a big figure physically. Um, one of the big thought, uglies, man, yeah. Whoa, one of the big uglies, I tell you, he wrecked them down. He really wrecked them down. And 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 you just you just sat there and you just listened to this booming voice and you thought that's college football, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like when you hear Vin Scully, that's Dodger baseball, that's Major League baseball, right? And Vin Scully for years, I mean, I people may not realize this, but like, um, you know, he was the guy that called the NFC Championship game when uh, Dwight Clark made the catch. Mm-hmm. Remember that for mm-hmm. the Forty ers Yep. He was on he was on uh, I think CBS at that time and and they had the game for whatever reason and he 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 called the catch and and so um yeah that, those are just those are just a couple of the of, of the of the stories I remember of these guys
0: My one I remember working with the Reds I just started doing the stuff with Marty and Joe with the Reds and the Phillies were in town and so we're in the press dining room having dinner beforehand Marty and myself and whoever else was there's always a crowd around but uh, a couple guys sit down wasn't sure who they were, and all of a sudden Harry Callis starts talking.
1: Oh um, yeah, oh, Harry! Oh, that I was, was like, another one.
0: And I just sat in awe that whole dinner of just listening to. I mean, I used to listen to him. I mean, he was obviously The voice of for NFL Phillies, films, but, right? But yeah, but Sunday Sunday NFL games he would call all the time yes. on the radio, and, and yes, you know, and the station I started at in, in in Lima, Ohio, where my dad worked. You know, I'd run those games and would listen to those games and just loved his voice i just harry Callis. And we was, would oh. we
1: would hear it all the time in in clearwater because he did the phillies and then yes. and the yep. phillies and blue jays played a lot because they were right beside each other and that's another guy that i got to got to listen but to. i had
0: no idea what he looked like and he started talking you know as he sat down and you obviously <laughs> and i'm just like oh my god that's harry Callis. that's you know,
1: that's gotta just... <laughs> be harry Callis. that's harry Callis's voice and i think it's harry Callis in the flesh yeah, and i just his yeah. voice
0: was just it was so deep and resonating and just dulcet tones yeah loved listening to him call games i I thought he was really good at calling games but
1: voice um, of nfl films for years and years
0: just remembering that of just you know also oh that's harry callis
1: (laughs) yeah well i mean and you work with you i mean you were with uh uh skip Carey too i mean skip Skip, pete van
0: weeren um
1: yeah the Atlanta braves yeah don uh, sutton before that joe
0: simpson i worked with yeah i worked worked marty and joe dave and andy here and um, mm-hmm. I've worked actually with a lot of announcers all over the place, but um, most of the stories I can't tell on the podcast.
1: <laughs> well, I've heard them. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a G rated podcast. They're hysterical, though. You can't tell the one about how he knew everybody in the stadium, or so we
0: thought. Oh well, so and it's it's Chip Chip Carey has continued this on, um, but <laughs> you know Skip would you know it's a, it's a game you know it's a third inning and you know and uh, Chipper Jones at the plate now and foul ball. <laughs> A fan from Dunwoody caught that down the right field line, <laughs> and you'd be amazed at how many people would write in and this is you know or call in at that point, but write in. How does he know where the fans are from? <laughs> right, it's amazing. Every, he would do it every game, and people would sit there and go, "How does he know?"
1: Because he's been there for so long, You well, must you know, know where everybody sits.
0: I work really hard and research it all off season. And- <laughs>
1: I <laughs> get the seating chart of all the season yeah, exactly, ticket holders exactly. and where they're from. <laughs> and I know that in this bro. yeah, it's funny. Um, of course, the great uh, Harry Carey mm-hmm. used to just read who was at the games. And yeah. I, I assume that, that, that people would write them. it would be, be like, hi, hey, we got uh, uh, Mary and Fred uh, Anderson from Sarasota. They're yeah. here today watching their Cubs. I watch them back in the superstation. Oh, gee, yeah. And I was like, "How do you get your name on? I mean, there's a whole stadium of people.
0: Yeah, generally, they, generally people on? would write because a lot of times the announcers would come in with two or three things. Hey, the, you know, this got mailed at yeah. the club today. Can you read? Mention a happy gotcha. birthday to this person or this? Or he like, would do that. He would do birthdays. Yeah, you yeah. Know? usually they were written in or called in or you know on radio. It was sometimes cool. sometimes your affiliates would say, hey, we got a loyal listener or whatever that listens all the time. Right. Can you give them a shout out?' And yeah, absolutely. And particularly in baseball, it's real easy to do that because you have so much time." You know, Andy and Dave right. do that all you know, and it can come from, and now with electronics, it's a lot easier to, to reach out, but, you know, it can oh, come you do from the any number of now, places. Yeah, yeah or tw- you can tweet somebody, hey, can you mention this, or whatever, but.
1: And then you get the spinoffs, you know, where they're going, hi, hey Steve, you ever been to Sarasota at the Ringling Museum? You know? <laughs> well, no, Harry, I haven't, but uh, I hear there's a real circus, you know, <laughs> it's like, what? What just happened?
0: Well, that's, anyway, Skip Carey was funny, so I got to work with him later in his career. So it was 2005. I think he passed away in 2008. So it was, you know, right. he was he at that point he wasn't in great health, and um, and, and he was he was a guy where if he wasn't complaining about something that's when you start worrying if he if there's a problem like if he's if he's bitching about everything everything's all okay he's, it's and, good and that's it's just good. that's just what he does and and you know it was always a challenge you know you get a 9-1 game you know in the second inning and uh. Skip's already lost interest in the game and so oh, no. you've got to figure out how do I keep him engaged in calling a broadcast because we've got two and a half more hours to fill on the radio <laughs>
1: So get them mad, in other words.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you'd find different ways to do it. I mean, I remember one game, so we'd print out a sheet before every game, and you have a reads, you know. Right. Uh, the, you know, this is brought to you by so-and-so, check out, you know. you know, It could be any number of things. Sometimes they're just flat-out commercials. Other times they sponsor a segment or, you know, mm-hmm. the, the first pitch is brought to you by whatever. So I have a sheet of these reads, and, and Skip was in one of those moods that night. And so it's the first inning, and he reads the whole sheet. Wow! Takes the sheet, crumples it up, looks at me, and throws it out of the front of the booth.
1: <laughs> oh no! What what just happened? We lost all our spots. No, for I mean the whole he read game. them all. He read them all. No, he read oh, them all okay. in the
0: first inning. He went through and read the whole sheet in the first inning.
1: Oh, so he was done. That and was then, it. Yeah. He, so he was so just, nine innings without any commercials. Yeah. So he was done basically. And he, okay. you know he
0: looks back at me and, and you know with that smirk and this and thinks he's got me. <laughs> so he comes in the next night and close to game time, he's like you have the reads. And I'm like, here's the first one. I had index yeah. cards, and they were each on in- index cards, and I was handed it to yeah. him the whole game. That's he, right. just, he just looked back at me and gave me a nod, like, "You win.
1: You figured <laughs> it out." Yeah. <laughs> Don't give them all to me at once. Yeah, exactly. But that's what that's I, I,
0: I love. The I love those guys because the, the the banter back and forth and the, the give and take is is what you know. That's what's special about those guys. The the announcers you hear is they're all yeah. good guys, or at least the ones I've worked with are.
1: Um, yeah, you've worked with some iconic but, guys. And David and Andy are great. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. And they'll give it to they're you. They're the best. But they can take it too. So, which is what you love.
1: Yeah, and uh, and there's always some. There's always a little aside, a little inside jokes. If you know them really well, <laughs> there's always little little inside jokes there that you can catch once in a while with them. But uh, but yeah, no, I love the announcers. And I, and look, I'm sure that they're going to wish they get to go to these games. <laughs> they'll be at home more than they're used to. They already have been. Um, I'm hoping we get to go to games. I'm hoping the fans get to go to games. That's what we want to see. Um, And so, you know, hopefully all that's coming back here soon. But we got plenty of sports to talk about uh, as they uh, try to make their way back. Planning for your next trip? Roger Goodell, um, since we last were together, uh, you know, with all that's going on with the protests and and whatnot, um, came out with a uh, with a video. Which this was this was sort of unexpected, I think, um, at least at least from my end. I, I, I did not I did not necessarily see this coming, um, but you know, so much is happening um, with the marches and and whatnot that um, he took it upon himself uh, to to do a video and basically. Um, as you'd expect, he said, you know, we, he kept saying, we, the national football league, we, the national football league representing the owners, condemn racism and the systemic oppression of black people. And uh, of course, talking about the, uh, the murder of George Floyd and that, uh, um, you know, that we believe black lives matter. And I personally protest with you want to be part of the much needed change, all this sort of thing. And the one thing he said that caught everyone's attention was, um, that we, the national football league admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and we encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. And I thought, whoa, you know, um, did everything but mention Colin Kaepernick's name, which would have been nice, but there's litigation probably uh, that prevented that. But interesting that that at at this, this moment in time, and I think it's a good thing, and also, probably for business, it's not bad either. When you consider that seventy-five or seventy or seventy-five percent of the players are African American in the NFL, um, that they realize that their silence, um, or even in this case, tamping down, as they did, you know, the protests, uh, which which was hijacked and then became about the flag and the national anthem, was probably wrong or was wrong, and they probably added or, or did not advance um, the causes that that we are. Uh, you know, embroiled in right now. So um, really interesting video. I don't know if you guys get a chance to see it. It's on Twitter. You can find it almost anywhere online. Uh, but it got me to thinking, you know, here we are. This was 2000. I want to say, what was it? Four years. I don't think Kaepernick has played since 14,
0: 2016 was his last season.
1: His last game. Okay. 16 was his last game, season. Okay. So four years ago. That's right. It's been four years since he played. Don't expect him to come back. Although that has been that that question has been raised since its announcement. Was well, does that mean that Cap gets his job back? The answer to that is probably not. Although although I wouldn't say it's. I don't even know. Look, I don't know what kind of shape he's in. Whether he wants to play in the NFL. I don't know what litigation would have to do with any of that. I just do remember this: that uh, you know, for all the uh, you know the suspicions and, and things uh, that resulted afterwards, and why Colin Kaepernick never got a job in the NFL. Believe me, it wasn't for a lack of talent. I mean, the guy had proven that he could play in this league. He wasn't, you know, by then he, even though he had not had great seasons. I think his last season, what was it, Steve? You said he had like sixteen touchdowns and and uh, four and four or only five four, interceptions. Yes, it was sixteen four touchdowns, interceptions. Like four interceptions, but they were and one
0: in ten in the starts. Or one yeah, it was
1: 11. Jim. It was Jim uh, one year there, and it was a horrible, horrible season for them. But he played efficiently, uh, nonetheless. But for all of that, I can remember that, uh, you know, in every case, and this is why he sued the NFL, it was it was not about the coaches. It was not about, you know, and I remember asking Jason Light this question. They needed a quarterback after the fourteen season, uh, at minimum, to back up somebody, whether it was at that time they hadn't drafted Jameis Winston yet. I think Josh McCown might have been the starter for Lovie Smith. Um, and and the, question, the answers you'd get from GMs or, or, or personnel people were, yeah, you know, uh, he could definitely play. He could definitely help some team. But for us, it, we just don't really run that. So you'd have to change your offense. You got a lot of excuses. In other words, a lot of reasons why Kaepernick uh, might not be the best fit. The reason they didn't state, which was obvious, was this was never a football decision. It was always an ownership decision. Only an owner could agree to to have Colin Kaepernick as part of his football team. Uh, You were not going to make that unless you were maybe perhaps Bill Belichick or somebody who had so much, you know, weight that Bob Kraft would listen to him and do whatever he wanted him to. Um, But in each case, I think, you know, and I've always said this, have the press conference. You know, nobody was going to bring – he was toxic uh, as far as the owners were concerned because they had just gone through this whole – business with the kneeling and the protests and at one point you know the president came out and said some things about their players and they kind of defended them but then um you know they were worried about losing half their audience they were worried about revenue they were worried about a lot of things uh not and, and not worried about Colin Kaepernick uh, playing again and so he never did um so this is an admission that you know what they probably didn't do a good job with with supporting their players for that a really cool thing that happened over the weekend uh, if you saw this USF cornerback KJ Sales organized a, a unity walk this was neat uh, for many of his teammates and a bunch of uh, members of the Bulls athletic department uh, i i thought it was really cool you know they um they met together um it was it was raining <laughs> it was a terrible day on saturday my gosh we must have got 10, 10 inches of rain up here where i'm at over the weekend um, but they went from uh, downtown Tampa to Cent- Central Park Village. Uh, and it was about a half-mile walk. And like I said, uh, you know there, there were a ton of people there. It was um, a couple of people that helped them organize this. I think Titus O'Neill was part of it, uh, Ricky Saylor, um, who is uh, the founder of Unsigned Preps. Um, there was uh, a lot of coaches and staff, including uh, Michael Kelly, um, their offensive coordinator, Charlie Weiss Jr., the women's basketball coach, Jose Fernandez, and I think Brian Gregory uh, came as well. And, of course, USF football coach, Jeff Scott, was there as well. And I thought it was neat. He said, you know, I'm learning more from these guys than they're learning from me right now. Um, but Sales is a guy. He played at East Bay. And um, and the reason, you know, the reason why he did it, and he got kind of emotional about uh, all that's going on, is that... Um, there was a um, a murder uh, back in the in the sixty sixty seven. 67 there was a a young man 19 year old martin chambers that was shot in the back by a white tampa police officer and he, his parents uh remembered that and were of that time and 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 so this was something that was close to his family and um and so yeah there was there's some meaning behind it but i thought it was neat um just I'll tell you what, stuff like this, um, and I don't know how good USF is going to be. And, and of course, coach Scott, um, has his work cut out for him, obviously And the first year coach, it hasn't had a chance to really be with his team and meet with them sort of virtually like everybody else, but they got some really good player, really good people. I don't know again, what kind of play they're all good players, but they got some really great people to start to work with over there. And, um. I think they're going to. I think they're going to have some some good years. Well, that's really one do. thing. These, that's one thing you can always
0: say about Charlie Strong is if you look at yeah, no matter where his program, where you know he's been, Louisville and Texas and others. Uh, yeah, is you know, he did not always field winners on the on the field as far as the scoreboard, but he's always had sure. great, great men, people. great young men yes. in his program. Yes, always. That's a consistent thing of him. Um, something he should be you know applauded for, and he should. Um, you know, they always represent the program well.
1: And he had to weed out a lot of guys that were left mm-hmm. over from Willie Taggart, and and that transition, you know, wasn't as smooth as as he had wanted it to be. But they they have some really really five star people. I don't know if they're all five star athletes, but they got five star people on that on that roster, and uh, so it'd be a good place for Coach Scott to start. The bad news, of course, uh, that uh, everyone was was sad about uh, throughout the weekend is uh, Riche Caldwell. Of course, a star at Jefferson High School in baseball and football. He's a quarterback there, threw for like 7,000 yards. He goes to University of Florida and was a wide receiver, uh, drafted in the second round. Uh, He was shot and killed late Saturday evening in Tampa, according to his mother. He's 41 years old, and there was a shooting that that, uh, Tampa police responded to just before 11 p.m., uh, and they found him uh, in the yard of a home uh, off of uh, East Hannah. And they, uh, you know, try to render aid. Uh, apparently, he was um, shot a couple of times, but uh, according to police, it didn't seem to be a random act. They haven't identified, um, you know, the assailants just yet. But um, uh, they broke the news to uh, to his mom, Deborah, about eleven thirty, and she says that he had been heading to a concert at uh, Whiskey North, I guess, in Carrollwood. And they think that maybe he was ambushed in a possible robbery. She said, she said uh, this is her quote, that he was set up. I'm going to follow this all the way to the end. You get killed right here in your hometown. I mean, you made a statement here. Y'all just took all this away from us. It's just, it's a horrible story. Um, you know, again, Caldwell, one, maybe arguably one of the best athletes to come out of Tampa. Um, he was, uh, you know, a guy that was drafted by the Cincinnati Reds. Pop Cuesta, who uh, coached him at Jefferson and coached a lot of guys, you know, including Tino Martinez and Fred McGriff and Louis Gonzalez. Um, Caldwell set all kinds of records at Jefferson, despite all those players before him in batting average uh, doubles, triples, steals, runs, all that stuff. And he said, you know, he probably could have been uh, a major league baseball player if he had gone that route. He ended up playing football and was a damn good football player. I mean, he won, did he win a national title at uh, Florida? I think for Steve Spurrier. I believe so, I yeah. That would have been yeah, the, the
0: time, that 95, 96, all that. That was have been right. that era, so yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he got one of those and then drafted in the second round. I know he played for the Chargers. He was, and this is a trivia question that um, probably nobody would get unless, unless you read about it. Um, he was Tom Brady's leading receiver for the New England Patriots in 2000, 2006 season when they lost in the AFC Championship game to Tony Dungy's Colts, who went on to beat the Bears in the Super Bowl.
0: Uh, that is not a, a trivia question. I would have gotten correct.
1: No, so I mean, and then and then I think you mentioned to me then yeah, Randy Moss. Next, was the year, next they went year got Randy Moss, and they yeah. went
0: undefeated or you know eighteen and zero until the Super Bowl.
1: But. Yeah, and then they lost to uh, to to the Giants mm-hmm. um, and Eli Manning. But yeah, Rishay Caldwell was a uh, was just uh, was a hell of a player. Tom Brady had a couple Instagrams I want to say about him. Rest in peace, and some pictures of one of him and um, Brady. Um, hugging after a a touchdown or a score so yeah just just horrible news man Um, that's something like that would hate had some problems I think you know post-career some some legal troubles and whatnot but um, boy just a a terrible loss there and a lot of people around the league uh, teammates of his in college coaches and players as well Steve Spurrier uh, reacted to that horrible news uh, that came out on Sunday and tomorrow's show uh, we're going to have, or the podcast, uh, the big show as we call it, we're going to have Chris Torello of Spectrum Sports Bay News 9. He'll be here kicking it with us as he does. Speaking of announcer stories, you guys so.
0: can just talk as the announcers.
1: <laughs> we, you know, we're going to do that show. There, and maybe it's tomorrow, I don't know. But we're going to do a show where it's going to be, uh, let's see, uh, it'll be Gruden, Chris Berman mm-hmm. for sure. Well, he's got Francesa uh, down. He's got Francesa's gonna do a lot of the a lot of yeah. the talking, I'm afraid. He'll he'll dominate. Maybe a little Keith Jackson, maybe uh Stephen A. I mean, you just don't know who's gonna show up. We just even Ira Kaufman might be might be part of the show. <laughs> I don't know. Anybody I can do. Um, but yeah, no, one day we'll do that and just <laughs> it's just go and see see how it turns out. Um there might be some local people in here we can imitate as well, but uh, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. So yeah, Chris Trello on tomorrow's podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you had a great weekend, by the way. And uh, we're going to have an exciting week for you. Again, we're here every Monday through Friday on Sports Day Tampa Bay. For Steve Bursting, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.